You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans, and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, Alexis, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on a game day, not in the Crescent City, but for the Crescent City as your New Orleans Pelicans. Pelicans travel to Golden State to take on the Golden State Warriors in the travel to Golden State, travel to California to take on the Golden State Warriors in Oracle Arena, a do or die game for New Orleans. It's game five. This team looks to extend their season just a little bit longer, but it's not going to be easy. And we're going to talk about how they can win, what they need to do to win and where they've been successful so far this series. And we're going to be looking a lot at this game. I'm also briefly going to touch on the Houston Rockets and maybe the future of the South Southwest Division. Is this Houston team as scary as we actually think they are? I've been digging into the film on them a lot. I don't think so, to be honest. And I think they're going to get trounced by Golden State, assuming it's going to be Golden State in the next round. And I think we might be looking at, you know, maybe the Pelicans have a chance to kind of take control of this division, jump above them in the future, particularly when more teams get tape on this Rockets team. But we'll talk about that towards the end of the podcast, because before that, it is all about tonight's matchup. Do or die game five. It's going to be a lot of fun. Let's just jump right on into the preview. So here we have it, 9.30 Central Time. Can the Pelicans extend their season? And it's already been a good year, and I think we need some context in this, maybe before diving into this game. And look, if it ends tonight, that's okay. I think we all see that Golden State is the superior team when they're running out the Hamptons lineup, the death lineup, whatever the hell you want to call it. You know, they were worried and they needed a counter for New Orleans. And no one in the league has a counter for that. Unless your name is LeBron James from two years ago when he single-handedly basically beat them. And that's a needed thing, along with Kyrie Irving scoring 40 points. But who, who's talking about that? So it's not easy to do whatsoever and I think there's no shame in losing to them they're just a better team and it's sometimes as simple as that and throughout this series other than game four really we've seen New Orleans show a lot of fight in this man you know it was um a good friend Brad Hanwerger uh who used to be a writer for WWL was talking about it saying this he texted me this team has backbone And we haven't seen that from New Orleans teams in the past. And it's really nice to kind of watch this team, see them play so well, and really want to cheer for them because, man, they're really likable. They try, they play hard, and they do a lot of the things where they play kind of the right way. They're not flopping for fouls, different things like that, even though I think they should. But it's nice to root for a team that doesn't do that kind of stuff. So I think that's a lot of fun here, too. So this has been a good season no matter what, even if they're blown out in tonight's game. Now, there's ways to not get blown out into in tonight's game. And I went back and have rewatched all of the games in the series at least one time. And you really look at the game four where they did get destroyed at home on Sunday. But they made a run after being down by a lot in the first and then kind of chipping away at that lead, only being down seven going into the second quarter. And then or going into halftime, they really made a run in the second quarter. And it was late in the second quarter. And it was when guys like Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Iguodala, and Clay, the starters, were all out 
on the court. So what did New Orleans do differently during that period to kind of make that run and get things going? And this goes back to what they did so successfully in Game 3, and that's forcing Golden State into bad shot selection. In the entirety of the second quarter, the Warriors only had three shots in the restricted area. Yeah, you're taking away those easy looks for them and forcing them to take longer shots. If you look at the number of mid-range attempts in the second quarter alone, it's strikingly different than what we saw from quarters one, three, or four. And three, they went right at New Orleans into the paint, and you've got to force them out. And a lot of this had to do with Anthony Davis being able to just sag off Draymond Green, daring him to shoot. And he's not shooting well in this series. And hanging around the rim, it's going to make it way harder for anyone to get in there and also when you see Anthony Davis just patrolling down there you're not going to try and score around him he's one of the best rim protectors in the league a top three and he's one of the better help defenders when you beat your man if you're Golden State and you get into the paint and you're looking to attack boom you just run into Anthony Davis who has the uncanny ability to rotate over at just the right time to take away a shot from you it's just, it's running into a brick wall and it's not going to work whatsoever. And I think that's going to be one of the big things is you've got to force this Warriors team, and again, it's not easy to do, into bad shot selection. Kevin Durant, who was hot all game, took four shots in the paint out of seven in that quarter, but they were all basically right around the free throw line. You're talking 10-foot jumpers, turnarounds, things like that. If you can force them into those shots, and maybe have someone else do it other than Drew Holiday. And Holiday's doing what he can against Kevin Durant. But we've seen the height mismatch is there. Those fadeaways and everything, when you look at him, yeah, he's right on Durant. And he's not allowing Durant into the paint. And that's great. That's a good first step. But when he can just shoot over you and we know how good he is as a shooter... I don't know if it's as effective as you'd like it to be, despite him being there. When he sticks his hand up, it's nowhere near Durant's face or anything because Durant can just elevate right on over him. It's like Anthony Davis shooting over a guard. They have no chance, even if they're bodying him up. And I think that's something we're seeing here in this series, in this kind of game within the game where Holiday's playing on him a lot. And yeah, maybe down the stretch that's what you want because he can guard up a position, because he can force a steal. But I don't think that's what you want the whole game because you need length to bother him. And we're not getting it done here if you're New Orleans because you're putting Drew Holiday who loses six inches or so to him. And it's okay. Again, he's doing what he can and Holiday's an ultimate competitor here. But he can only do so much in this one but it was that period late in the second quarter running up to halftime where New Orleans really was able to make a run and they did that by forcing them into bad shot selection while also taking good shot selection for themselves they took not as many threes in that quarter as you would have thought given the shooting day they, they had and it was bad and they couldn't hit from three all around but they got into the paint and they got close into the paint not far looks in the paint like they have during times where, yeah, the points in the paint are nice, but it's not as nice because you're taking shots far, far away. Here, they were getting looks at the rim, four or five feet away. Basically, anything under six feet, you're going to be able to hopefully convert, particularly with Anthony Davis, who is going to be one of the other keys to this. We can transition into that now. Um, needs to get going better. You can't have him in the fourth quarter or in the, second, in the third quarter doing nothing. He took four shots alone in the, in the fourth quarter. You think they need some more there? Now, they pulled him, yeah. But in the third quarter, Anthony Davis took zero shots. That's, no, no, sorry. He took one, two, three, five shots. That's not going to get it done. Of those five shots, one was in the paint. Just one. He took one three-pointer, one around, two around the elbows, and then one long two from the side on the left side of the court. 
That's not the way this New Orleans team needs to play with him. And if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to win. So we'll do a quick reset here and let's talk about what they need to do to get him the ball more. So don't forget, you guys know I'm going to promote it because I'm going to be on it tomorrow talking about this game. And that's Locked On NBA, the national podcast five days a week, Monday through Friday. Monday recaps the biggest stories just going on around the league. Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, we got rotating hosts, myself and John Krause of Locked On Celtics host the Wednesday edition always. And then Thursday, you've got the head of the network, David Locke, and a surprise guest usually diving in deep on things. These are some great podcasts. If you just want to be a smarter NBA fan, if you can't catch up on everything that's always going on around the league, and hell, Stan Van Gundy just got fired, so there's a lot going on here, or mutually parted ways, whatever you want to say, keep up with everything by listening to Locked on NBA. It's the easiest way you can do it, so make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast from. So what do they need to do to get Anthony Davis the ball some more and get him in a more aggressive position to be able to go out and to score? And there's a number of things. And when David Grubb and I previewed game four, uh, three, that's what it was, he actually had a great idea on what we don't see them do enough, and that's reposting Anthony Davis, which definitely is going to be a good thing for them. You get him the ball in the low post, you let his gravity dictate what the defense does, and then you get the ball out of his hands, move him around a little bit, now they're scrambled, and you repost him and get him the ball down low again. This is playing a bit slow, and that's not what this team wants to do in it, and we're going to talk about that coming up in a second here, but you've got to find a way to get him going. One way is to do, you know, repost him, just get him the ball and let him go to the rim who cares if he's missing shots and things like that if you're down you're down you're not going to get a better look than Anthony Davis going at the rim and if Draymond Green or Kevin Durant does give him problems with their length again so what that's better than anyone else basically taking a shot on this team other than maybe Holiday because Miritich is missing these other things aren't working and you're not going to win games unless he's driving the you know the train the force whatever it is the engine behind everything him and those few shot attempts those few touches in the third and fourth quarter is inexcusable for him and for this team as well it's not just on him and saying he needs to be more aggressive this team needs to get him the ball in right spots and do what they can to put him in position to succeed that's where we've seen them kind of shy away and we've seen it he's disappeared at times in the fourth quarter and he's clearly frustrated and struggling during this series there's no doubt about that but you got to get out of your own head you've got to realize you got nothing to lose because frankly you're not expected to win this series you're not expected to win this game go out and just ball like I don't know what else to say other than just go fucking bananas really if you're Anthony Davis take every goddamn shot who cares how tired you are you've got to try and push this to a game six to keep it going see maybe you can get it on your home court and then figure out if you can win on the road that's going to be one of the biggest things is just getting Davis going the other thing this New Orleans team has to do has to do is play fast it's as simple as that. And Alvin Gentry said it in the post-game thing you or on the conference call uh, yesterday. You've got to score 10, 110 to 115 to 120 points if you want to beat this team. It's You're going to outscore them. You're not going to slow them down enough. And you got to hope that you can just outscore them that maybe they miss from three. I, I don't think there's another way to beat this team right now, at least with the makeup of this current New Orleans Pelicans roster. The, the, the Golden State team is good. So when you only have 11 fast break points in game four, you're going to lose and you're going to lose badly. When you looked at how well they played in games one and two, in game one, they were over uh, 20 fast break points. Game two was like 36 fast break points. Game three was in the mid 20s. That's what you want and what you need. 
easy offense. This team is length at every position. We've seen them that they can defensively, uh, on defense, bother Anthony Davis and give him trouble and shut him out, as we saw and we just talked about. But they can also corral Drew Holiday and his drives to the rim, and they're going to be content to let Miritich and those other guys beat them. I don't think you want to rely on that whatsoever right now because if Miritich gets hot, cool, you're, you're, you're going to win, maybe. If he doesn't, you're cooked no matter what. So you need to get these guys going other ways, and they're not worried about that. So their length, their defense corrals some of these guys. You've got to get them open shots, easy shots at the rim in transition. I wrote about it way earlier in the season about their half-court offense and how it works, and this isn't a good shooting team. This isn't really a good half-court offensive team, but they play so much in the fast break and in transition, and it's such a high pace, and just run after every miss that they mask a lot of the offensive deficiencies that they have by getting those high-quality shots at the rim. When you have a four-on-three fast break, you're going to score a little bit easier. When you have Anthony Davis on a guard or a small forward who doesn't have the length to bother him or tie him up, yeah, he's going to score without any trouble. You don't get those same kind of matchups and mismatches in the half-court that you do running in transition off of a miss or a turnover. So when Golden State only has 11 turnovers and you can't force anything on them, yeah, you're going to lose the game and you've got to figure it out. you got to be a little more stout defensively. And part of that had to do with Golden State, which it wasn't missing for a period of time. When you're inbounding the ball and taking the ball out of your own net, yeah, they're back, they're set, you don't have a chance to run. There's a reason they don't go after offensive rebounds. They want their defense to get back and get set. Same thing for New Orleans. They just get back, get set, and try to not let you get those easy fast break points. Golden State's perfected this, and they were one of the first teams that really ran this uh, style of defense of getting back. And you've got to figure out to, you still got to push. Who cares if they're set? Still go for it. Play fast. Hope you catch them napping a little bit because you're not going to score points any other way. So if you want to call them keys, those are the keys to the game. It, it's not about getting to the foul line because we saw they did that and they, they outdid the Warriors and it didn't matter because you weren't scoring any other way. Also, if you get to the line and you miss four straight free throws as they did between Rondo and Holiday, yeah, it's not going to do you any good too if you don't actually make the freebies that you've all been screaming so much about and been needing. And it's true, they have, but it doesn't do any good. And again, the officiating hasn't been bad in this series. New Orleans just isn't doing anything to really make the uh, Golden State Warriors pay or anything like that so they've got to figure out a way to do that and it just means playing in transition simple as that get ad going that way if you can get mirrored to some early shots that start falling and he gets in a groove and a rhythm i think that's going to be a big thing um but they need to figure out something because it is not easy and if you want to extend this series and this season You've got to do it. And again, you got nothing to lose in this one. So I think there's a very good chance uh, that they'll be able to go out and run and do this, but it's going to be tough in Oracle where the crowd is loud. Golden State smells, uh, you know, smells blood in the water. They're going to try and close this one out. They don't want to extend the series, knowing that Houston's likely going to do the same. And let's talk about Houston for a moment before we wrap up the podcast here because I've watched a lot about them, and I got some strong thoughts on the team. Maybe are a bit hot takey. I'm not sure. We'll find out, though. Let's do a quick reset first. Don't forget, check out LockedOnPelicans.com. Not just the podcast, but we also have the companion site, and John Nathan Raby has written a letter, an open letter, if you want to call it maybe, to free agents. This is where the Pelicans are going to need to be active in the summer. Have they shown enough in the playoffs to attract guys on minimum contracts to take a pay cut to come here to maybe make a run in the playoffs and potentially have an outside shot at winning a title? They have. 
you know, you're going to be in good position for next year. And that's going to be one of the keys to improve this roster because they don't have a lot of money to spend. So go give it a read. Find out what the New Orleans Pelicans are going to do to pitch free agents because Raby runs it down for you over at LockedOnPelicans.com. So the Houston Rockets, and I want to touch on this because I think there's a lot of hope for the future that they're not just going to kind of run this division for the foreseeable uh, next couple of years unless they add LeBron this summer. And then, yeah, they are. Um, then good luck. It would just, just wrap up the season and everything. But let's pretend that's not going to happen and hope that's not going to happen. If we will it to be true, maybe. So Houston, when you watch them, and they're, they're handling the Utah Jazz right now, and the Jazz are good, and they're a very good defensive team. I don't think they match up particularly well with Houston in the three-point shooting. But if you can get a team that can score with them, they're kind of not as scary as you think. And it's because their offense, if you scheme for them properly, I think you can really shut it down. There's no ball movement. There's abs- it, it, you know, there's a lot that's been written about it. They're basically isolation style of ball. This isn't the seven seconds or less D'Antoni system where they had guys who led the league in assists and had a ton of passes and led the league in passes per game and different things like that. This Houston team is one of the lower in the league on all of those when it comes to assists too because it's a lot of isolation and it's kind of a weird isolation, a bit of a freaky isolation if you want to call it. And it's been good. But I think you can game plan for it just like, you know, this Warriors team is kind of game plan for New Orleans really well and taking away what they want to do. And I think the same goes for Houston, that when you really watch them, if you're playing and running and you're forcing misses and you can force misses by not letting Harden get behind you and kind of just clamping down on Capella and let him shoot threes and miss, even though they're good shoot three-point shooting team, variance does kick in. And I think that's a big key to beating this team. And I think when they do eventually, likely, let's say, we don't know the future yet. There's a game tonight. Maybe Golden State doesn't win. If they do get matched up with Golden State in the Western Conference Finals, I really think Golden State's going to handle them. But you should also take my predictions with a grain of salt here because I also thought Toronto was going to be fine after game one of their series where they choked it away and the Raptors wrapped it. And as I look at the score right now while I'm recording this in game four, it don't look good for Toronto here. And all of a sudden LeBron has woken up and they don't have any answer for it. And they've just choked away and just done nothing in the second round despite being the one seed. So take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. But really when you watch it, if you come up for a seven-game series or a series against this team and they're not shooting in Incredible from three. Houston is very, very beatable. And I think you're going to start to see some teams figure out how to defend them this coming up year where they know what's going on with Harden, with Paul, and everyone there. And you also have guys like Anderson falling out of the rotation, not being able to be relied on as much, which takes down their three-point shooting. I don't think they're necessarily going to dominate the Southwestern Conference in the NBA for the foreseeable future. And then if things go well and the Pels re-sign Cousins, he plays over, say, 80% of what he was before, and he plays the majority of the season, I think you might see the Pelicans make a real run at the division title, maybe get a higher seed, not have to deal with some of this stuff in the first or second round that they have in years past. I think that's going to be a great thing going forward for this New Orleans club. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. As always, enjoy the game tonight. Win or lose, be very proud of this New Orleans team. They've done a fantastic job. And if they do win, then of course we're going to recap it tomorrow. I can't wait to see what you all are going to bring to the Smoothie King Center and be loud because it has been fun, these two home games, the four home games that we've had in the playoffs so far. So give yourselves a pat on the back as well. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game.